Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 164 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today, I have the pleasure to introduce you to Tirsa, Savannah's mom. Now, Tirsa's grief journey has been quite complicated. She has faced so many difficult trials in the aftermath of her daughter Savannah's death. We also talk about being a single parent and trying to parent another child after losing their sibling. I also would like to take a minute here and talk about the next live stream that Gwen and I are doing. So that live stream will be the week of Thanksgiving here in the United States. That will be on Tuesday, November 22nd at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time and 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time because that's where I will be actually on Pacific Time visiting some family. So the topic that we've decided on for this special Thanksgiving episode will be about being thankful. Uh, There's a poem that Gwen will be reading that says, For this I am thankful. And we want all of you to write in with the answer to that question, with the end of that statement. For this, I am thankful. So what are you thankful for during your grief? It can be really difficult to think about being grateful and thankful when you're in the depths of grief. But I really do want you to put some thought into that and think about maybe a few little things that you can be thankful for during this time. And write in. Write some of those into us. Email at marcy at andysmom.com or you can reach out on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Those are all under Always Andy's Mom. So right now, I want you to just really enjoy listening to Savannah's Mom. Thank you so much to my guest Tirsa today for coming and joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Marcy. I really appreciate this opportunity to share with you and other moms and be supporting you all and also finding that comfort for myself. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you start out by just telling us all about your daughter, Savannah? Savannah is my second child. I have a son, Cody, and then Savannah, when I didn't know back then, you know, we didn't know uh, she would, her, she was 22. We didn't know if we were having boys and girls back in the day. So, but Mm -hmm. I just knew in my heart that she was going to be a little girl and she was born in 45 minutes from the first pain to her first breath. Wow. Yes. Yes. And there's a little bit of an age gap between Cody and Savannah. Yes. Four years. Mm -hmm. And, And of course I'm that like a little bit of a smother mother. I wanted him to have everything to be the big brother. So I was literally on the ladder putting up his Batman curtains that I had made because I didn't want him to come home to in his bedroom, not finished because I had just made all the curtains and everything for the nursery. So uh, their dad was in the car, like blowing the horn because Savannah was born uh, in June. He was blowing the horn saying, come on, come on. And I'm making sweet tea. I'm from the South. So I was making tea because I just knew everybody was going to come. And we got to the hospital and he parked, let me out, parked the car, came back in. And within minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Like, Hey, hi little one. And so (laughs) Savannah Ray, uh, we just, she was going to be Corey Caroline until the week before. Mm -hmm. And we were like, I don't like that. And he was like, I don't like it either. So we had been to Savannah, Georgia, which is just such a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. And my oldest son is named Cody from Cody, Wyoming. I was there when I was 21 and I thought just such a cool place. And if I ever have a little rambunctious boy, he's going to be Cody. And that he was and still is. But so she was born and she was just 
so peaceful. She was quiet, brought her home. That was in that year, you only stayed 24 hours. So I came home Uh four hours later with a four-year-old and a newborn. Mm-hmm. peaceful her um her dad and i uh three years later went through a divorce so it, it mm-hmm. kind of started withdrawing she was kind of she was sad but uh she was always so full of life she she read gone with the wind in second grade <laughs> which <laughs> oh my goodness wow right she loved to read she was so, so incredibly talented, very much of an artist. She loved people. She was always putting others before herself. And mm-hmm. then uh, we were just the three of us for a little while. And then I got married again. And she absolutely just adored her stepfather. It was really, he, she really took to him. They were a lot alike. They actually even look a lot alike. And uh, then we moved. We were living in Virginia at the time. And then we moved to Maryland. So uh, mm-hmm. she, she was living in, in Maryland, and then I had a, another child. And so she's, Lydia's 11 years younger than Savannah. Yeah. Then my son had a, a child early. So I'm 42 having babies, and he's 20 having babies. So our, my grandson wow. and my youngest are only four and a half years apart. Oh, wow. Yes. So do that math. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, Savannah, she just, she loved children. She was in school uh, to, she wanted to work with deaf and hard of hearing. She wanted a special, Mm -hmm. she wanted to work with special needs. Um, So Savannah was not only my daughter where I worked, she was also an employee. So where I worked, she was, uh, I was an executive director of a childcare center. And so she painted the nursery that was there for the babies. Her artwork was murals on the walls. She was a teacher, a preschool teacher, and, and in addition, going to, to college to, for uh, special education. I see. She uh, had, like, I don't know if you can see in the picture, she just had the curliest blonde hair. I see. Yeah. Beautiful girl. Beautiful girl. She was easy. But then, you know, she she went through her little sassy stage a little bit, but she had yeah. been in a relationship for three years and they broke up and it just crushed her. And then so she I think she reacted instead of responded and then mm-hmm. got back together with a voice she knew when they were in like high school and uh, she she got married within a year. Wow. Yes. No one wanted her to, but she was very independent. But my children move out when they're 18. I moved out when I was 18. I raised them to be independent. And then I wished I hadn't (laughs) because I I wasn't ready to let them go. But um, yeah, so she got married at like 21 then? Yes. Mm -hmm. She got married um, in February and then in December of 2017. She went home after that phone call and I'm not really sure what yeah. happened. She was only home for 55 minutes when uh, 911 was called. So talk a little bit about that day because you said you were with her much of the day. Yes, we had been together. I'd never, ever, ever, never, ever take time off from work. And I was exhausted at my job. I worked from 630 in the morning until 630 at night as the executive director and she was also, like I said, uh, one of my employees. And I was like, we're taking the day. The day before I had taken the day off to be with my youngest daughter. And we just spent the whole day together. And so mm-hmm. then I took that day off to be with Savannah. And we went. So my birthday is January the 2nd. And we went shopping so she could buy more professional clothes because she was going to be working okay. at the office with me. So we went shopping all day. And when she came over, she wasn't as we say fixed up she had jeans and a sweatshirt and they were kind of baggy and she didn't have any makeup on and I was like come on let's get fixed up let's let's look pretty I said God you know gave you this beautiful face and you don't need makeup but won't it be fun to just be girls for the day and she was like okay and so we were in the bathroom and we got all ready and I had fixed her hair on hot rollers you know like when it big curls. Uh-huh. So I, I did that and she loved it. And she did, you know, the fishy lips with her lipstick and 
we were we just had fun and we went out uh, for the day and we went shopping and mm -hmm. one of the reasons she was supposed to spend the whole weekend with me because she was going to help me go through all of the stuff because I had been through two divorces to 20 years of my life were in bins and she was there to help me she had done the Marie Kondo. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I don't know what I know what you're talking about. That like to get rid of a bunch of stuff, right? Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, if you love it, you keep it and kiss it and all this stuff. So anyway, it was really a good thing. And she was going to help me go through all my things. Because you were in this apartment, you were kind of more on your own at this point, right? Yes. You said? Mm -hmm. Yes, I mm -hmm. had. I had this apartment and my youngest and I were there together. And so we spent the day out shopping. She had all these great new clothes. We had lunch and she told me at lunch that she, she asked me if it was wrong to want to leave and to leave her marriage. Yes. And I knew that they mm -hmm. had, I mean, they were young, they were 21 and they had had fights back and forth. And I knew about some of them as far as just not getting along. And my son had talked to her husband and, at Thanksgiving. And now this day is December yeah. 29th. And he said, my, my sister doesn't seem the same anymore. I, I need you to be honest what's going on and he was just very different very 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 different yeah. and he was in the navy to and studying to be a anesthesiologist okay and he was always talking about death and he was always talking about like concoctions and just just he was strange we weren't around him mm -hmm. very much she was very embarrassed i know that she wished she had never married him i know that but she was too i believe she didn't feel that she could come and say she had made another mistake because she had made yeah. some mistakes in her life. And I think she just felt guilty and felt like she had to stick it out. And she was just embarrassed. And I told her, you, you don't have, you're here. You have a home with me. Right. Anyway, we're going through my things. We'd gone out to eat. We'd come back. We're going through my things and she's helping me. And I was picking things up and I was like, well, do you think you would want this when I'm gone? And then I would say, well, what do you think Cody would want this when I'm gone? And I spent a lot of time saying that. And she was like, mom, you just are so focused on death today. I was like, no, I'm not focused on death. I just want to make sure you guys don't have to go through all my stuff. You know, if it yeah. means something to you, keep it. If you don't think, it, let's just get rid of it. But then how did I know? And just, yeah. I was with her for 11 hours, 11 right. hours a day. And then he kept texting her and calling her and she finally answered and she was like, he just really wants to make a nice dinner. And I said, well, I believe in marriage. I believe you should fight and I believe you should do what you should, you know, yeah. if he's trying, I said, but you always have a home here and you don't have to. But she said, well, maybe mm -hmm. I should go. And then we don't know what happened. He told the police that that they had been asleep and for three hours and he woke up and her lips were blue and he started performing CPR. Mm -hmm. She had only been home for 55 minutes. She talked to me on Bluetooth all the way until she got to the parking garage. I know what time she got there. We know what time 911 was called. So she wasn't asleep for three hours. No, she was with me. No. Yeah. And so, you know, and that's the most horrific. You get that call, you know, and I didn't answer it the first time because it was her. Yeah. And I just hung up with her and I thought, oh, she's forgotten something because my daughter-in-law had called and she's just like a daughter to me as well. And I said, oh, Savannah's calling back. I said, she must really need something. I'll call you right back. And it was him yeah. calling from her phone, which was a bit peculiar. And he yeah. had erased all of the text messages from her for the day. He had just gotten her a Google Pix type phone or whatever. You can't trace them. Uh -huh. We've learned since he was incredibly controlling and... He wasn't good to her. He had spent, we've learned through documents from the Navy that, uh, from, well, not from the Navy, from her ER visit. And also he had spent time in like the mental part, mental ward part of the Navy because he had gone to work oh. and he had scratches down his face. They interviewed her and, and she said he was trying to choke me. So I learned all this later after she oh, my passed. Word. So... The detectives, you know, you get to the hospital and you're met with two homicide detectives and all these other police and they stay in the room with you. Because I guess right. now looking back, they they didn't know what happened to her. And I guess they didn't know how I was going to react. 
Still not really sure why they were all there, honestly. Yeah. But I will say, I walked up and I looked at her. And my da- daughter has naturally really curly hair. And I walked up and, but when I left, when she left me, her hair was big, bouncy curl. Yes. And when I walked up to her, her hair was super curly again. Yeah. The only way that would happen is if it had gotten wet. Right. If she took a shower or something. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. she, I know she didn't do that. I, I can't prove it. I know that my daughter did not go home with all of her pretty makeup on, her pretty hair. She was home for 55 minutes. All of her things were still in her car. All of her bags and where they live, you don't leave anything in your car. Her purse was still in her car. Nothing of his, he told three different stories. When we get to the hospital, he had on a hoodie with a drawstring. He sat there with the drawstring. I wouldn't let me see his face. Wouldn't let the police see his face. And they just wrote it off as she's young, she's healthy. Maryland has some law that even if he had given her a drug and it killed her, that they can't prosecute that. Like, I can't remember the name. There's a name of a law because they want people to call 911 if they see an overdose. So they don't want people ignoring their friends or ignoring. But I don't believe, I mean, I can't prove anything, but I know in my heart of hearts. Uh-huh. Uh, first of all, I don't know much about, I don't know if it's pronounced Kratom, Kratom. You don't just. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. It, well, it's an herb. Because that's what was in her system. It said trace amounts. They couldn't find uh-huh. any reason for her to, to have passed. She had a blood clot to the heart, but they couldn't say that that's why she died. They couldn't oh. definitively say that. But they couldn't say it wasn't either. Then that's probably the problem, isn't it? Right. So yeah. I, I've since learned that you can have a meeting with the medical examiner and go over mm-hmm. everything. So mm-hmm. I feel that I should do that for her to, to see if I can learn anything more. I mean, it's been, it'll be five years in December, so... I'm not trying to prosecute anybody. I'm not trying. I just want to know what happened to my daughter. Yeah. And, and I really, and I may never. I yeah, mean, that ne- is so hard. I just, I, oh, it's so hard when you don't know. Cause I've talked to other moms that don't know what happened and. Right. Man, that's just a problem. Yeah. You know, well, and there's so like much that. stigma to things too, because we live in it. We lived, we don't now, we don't live there now, but in their town, you know, they automatically assume it's a drug overdose, it's a suicide. And even yeah. if it was either one of those, okay, so be it. Yeah, right. Exactly. It still doesn't mean you should be have a stigma or no. Be, yeah. I, I mean, mean still, it doesn't matter. Right. And I know the lady uh, a couple of epi- uh, podcasts ago talked about, and I think maybe even you've said it too, being in the grocery store, or being somewhere and seeing someone. Yeah. And then they turn and go the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. So because her husband, I hate to even say that, but he was her next of kin. I had, I had no rights. So yeah. when he got, he left, got sent away, the Navy sent him away. So his mother was power of attorney. So she became somehow responsible for everything. And I tried to ask questions. She, she told me it was none of my business. I told her everything about oh. my daughter was my business, <laughs> but yeah. I was able to finally get some of her things. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't even claim her. He claimed her body through a text message. I didn't even have that opportunity. I didn't even know where she was. Oh. So he, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So hard. Yeah. It, I, I just. You know, I just held her in the hospital that night. My son was with her and her and their biological dad came. My uh-huh. youngest daughter was with her dad. And of course, she thought all night that it was me that had passed. But because we weren't ready to tell her. I mean, she was 11. We didn't know what to yeah. say just yet. No one knew what to do. And then my son, of course, had two small children at the time. Yeah. So it, it, everything got so complicated and the doctor at the hospital, because my son was so ready, you know, to, I mean, he's 25 at the time and they had right. been just very best friends. And the doctor said, 
everyone here knows that that young man is responsible for something, but you're responsible for your family and don't do anything that will put you in a, a bad place or jail. Right. Right. So moving forward, you know, you're thrown into the midst of planning a service. We, we had her cremated because we live here in Maryland, but I'm not really from Maryland. I've been here 20 years, but I just, and there's no judgment either way, but I just personally didn't know anywhere. I didn't, I couldn't yeah. feel like putting my child in a cemetery somewhere that I know nothing about. So mm -hmm. uh, we had her, she was cremated. I planned her service. I decided that I brought her into the world and I was going to be the one that let her go. We had it at the church where we had gone, but it was not your traditional. Uh, mm -hmm. Our pastor spoke some words, but I, I just gave the whole eulogy and her stepfather made a slideshow of pictures. You know, what's really strange is that morning I used to always go to McDonald's and get a sweet tea <laughs> because when I came to Maryland, I was like, there's no sweet tea in Maryland. Like when I first came here, I was like, <laughs> why would they even sell non-sweet tea? <laughs> but, you know, being from down South, but that day I got up, I got ready and I went to McDonald's and got a sweet tea because it was the only thing that day, you know, yeah, that just felt normal. Yeah. And that was the only thing that was normal. I'm sure it was was the only thing and we had we were we were just so close you know and to have to drive to the church and it was on my sister's birthday which is the only time we could have the church and savannah only had like one true close friend and she was special needs savannah was very quiet kind of a loner she was a middle child her dad leaving really really crushed her yeah and uh the church was, they, they made food, you know, and they said, how many people do you expect? I said, I don't know, 50, 75, maybe it's going to be small. Um, my employer, because she was an employer employee, he yeah. chose to close the center for the day and parents. So there were over 400 people came. Oh my goodness. We were not prepared for that at all, but it was, it was very tense because a couple of police officers came who were not really close friends, but I wondered why they were there. And looking back, I think they wanted to make sure that there was peace. And her husband was seen in the corner jumping and high-fiving his friends. And he, he got up and spoke. He was, yeah. he was supposed to, he plays guitar. He was supposed to sing. And he just got up and spoke and gave a very cryptic timeline of knowing her. And he said, one of the last things she ever said to me was, I never want to see you again. Yeah. And everybody. Yeah. Isn't that cryptic? And he came up to my brother at the service who is a nurse, cardi uh, cardiac nurse. And I don't remember what it is right now, but said, is it possible to die from taking this? Cause he was always like talking, like he was just so strange. And she knew she was so embarrassed that she had made this really bad choice of marrying him and getting involved with him. And she rescued him at ninth grade. He had lost his dad and she took him under her wing. She was always, if you were in a ditch, she was going to drag you out and put you yeah. under her under. Her. And it, and I truly believe it cost her her life. Yeah. Oh, how crushing that must be. Did they do a long investigation or? Not much of one because it took forever to get the uh, autopsy, autopsy results back. Yeah. And there was nothing in her system. Nothing. Not even yeah. her. She had recently gone off of, uh, she had been depressed. Uh, now, I mean, she had been really depressed. She had told my daughter-in-law, I just, I want to, I just want to be me. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to be me. I want to start over in life and, you know, and I told yeah. her she could come and stay with me. And, and then they found the trace, trace of that. And yeah. her, her dad asked the medical examiner, 
did you check for domestic violence? Like, cause time had gone on. It had been weeks. It took like eight weeks to find out. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh, do you think that that was that a possibility? And he was like, everything was a possibility. What? what you, yeah. So this is in Baltimore and you know, they just, she was just a number, just a number, I guess. Oh, and my goodness. And she was like, well, I'm going to be honest with you. We just didn't really have much blood. It was very hard to do this. And so, oh. Wow. But you know, it, ah. it, it, yes, right? I mean, I don't even know what to say. It's just, there's I, nothing to say. There is nothing to, and you know, I, I wanted to protect her I want, in life and death. And so I haven't even been able to, to talk about it much. I kept all of this really close to my chest because people don't know. And then they say even, I mean, the, the awful dumb things that people say thinking, but then no one really even knew what, what that is. It's an herb, you know, and she had Lyme yeah. disease. She was diagnosed with Lyme disease when she was nine and she was in pain all the time. So she had chronic yeah. Lyme. No one believed it. We spent tens of thousands of dollars on different doctors trying to help her be better. Okay. So she was in a lot of pain all the time and she never took, like pain meds so she but she would sometimes take some herbal stuff or something apparently but see yeah. I, I had never been told that so when I got to the apartment a couple of days later when he let me in I said what did you fix her for dinner and he just mm-hmm. looked at me he said um I said that isn't that what you were going to do you were going to fix her that's why you needed her to come home because you were going to make a special dinner and every time he saw me he would just keep saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. The next time I saw him, which was two days, three days, he had taken his wedding band off already. I mean, a grieving husband who, who does that. Yeah. So the unknown and, and, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty. So he'll never. Yeah. I don't know what to do with all that. And his mother dropped him off and went to her house an hour away. Didn't stay with him. Yeah. Isn't that, that was a bit peculiar. There's just but a lot that's just so bizarre. and There awful. is a lot. And then what happens is what I have found that I've, I've been working on. Yeah. So, and I love to color yellow. Of course, I wear yellow every Friday because my last day with her was on Friday. And I still do that. And she loved sunflowers um, and she mm-hmm. absolutely loves giraffes. So the last picture I have of her was at Home Goods, standing beside mm-hmm. an eight foot giraffe, stuffed big giraffe. Uh-huh. And Andy loved giraffes. Really? Yeah, I mean, loved, absolutely loved giraffes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I have other pictures of her feeding a giraffe at the Baltimore Zoo. And it's like her most, it's, it's the picture of Savannah. She just absolutely loved so uh, Cody's best, one of his best friends went to Home Goods and bought that giraffe and brought oh. it <laughs> and brought it and gave it to us. So we had it in the church. That big eight foot giraffe was in the church, at, in the front of the church for the service. Because oh. that's, and it was really, really, it was just so kind. It was so thoughtful. Yeah. So now I have, you know, I still have an this. An eight foot giraffe in your house? Yeah. I have an eight foot giraffe. So I, I have, I love flowers. I love to garden. I love growing things, but I kind of have a hard time with flowers at funerals because they have that smell, number one. Uh-huh. And they also, they're going to die. I and know. I, I've already dealt, I'm dealing with death. So why do I want anything else that's going to die? Right? I know. I'm that so, way too. Yes. Yeah, so I, I did not want to watch anything else die. No. Like I handed out those flowers and gave those flowers away as quickly as I could to everyone that I could. Kept some plants, but even a couple of those, I only have kept two alive, which I then it felt even worse to kill a plant. Right. Right. Because I'm not supposed to kill the plant and I killed them anyway. Well, I did her 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 small little arrangement at the front and sunflowers. And then we did little sunflowers. She loved a mason jar. If the child had one, she had a hundred. I have so many mason jars. She was very, very, very crafty. We're all crafty. My youngest is very crafty. My son works mm-hmm. in construction and he can build anything. So we're kind of hands-on, but um, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. But anyway, so we had 
this giraffe and she was also a preschool teacher. So instead of having flowers, I asked people if they wanted to do something, they could bring uh, a stuffed giraffe and some books and I would donate them to children. Marcy, can I say that we got over 500 giraffes and we got, (gasps) yes, of all sizes from this big all the way up to like the four foot babies of this eight foot that I have. We got three of those. So, I mean, I had over 500 giraffes and over a thousand books. (laughs) Oh, wow. So it was, it was incredibly special for someone special. Yes. So I've been able to give the first year I gave tons and tons of books, a, a, a place in DC. I can't remember the name of it right now, but I gave, they were opening up a new center for the children. Mm-hmm. I gave, I was able to go down and give books and, and now it's just, and giving out giraffes. And I know that she would, you know, I, I don't like when people say, Oh, Savannah would like, you know, Savannah would want you to do this. No, Savannah would want to be here with me doing this. Right. But right. Yes. You know, now that it's but since that can't happen, since that can't happen, thing I, can do, I yeah. do know that she would want children to have books and giraffes. Mm-hmm. So in her honor, I have continued to do that. But for my other children, especially my my youngest, Lydia, I think one thing as I've listened to your podcast, no one has Lydia's never been able to tell her story to anyone except one counselor and counselors aren't even that good with sibling grief. No, there's nothing out there. And I found myself, of course she and uh, Savannah were super close, but I found myself every time we would go out for maybe two or three years. If I saw something yellow, if I saw a sunflower, if I saw a giraffe, I felt like I had to have it. Uh And, and then one day, just a few months ago, because since then, you know, my dad passed, grandmother passed, my stepfather just passed in August. My mom is dying. We know that wow. she doesn't have much time. So all and my youngest daughter's other grandfather passed. So there's been about seven to eight significant. Oh, and her aunt, her dad's sister passed last year. There's been some significant, very close death and no one Mm. and I don't always know and she also has autism I don't like the word high functioning but it helps people you're a doctor so you understand but yeah yeah most people like they hear autism they think she just walks in circles and lines things up which (laughs) she does like to walk in circles but that's that's just part of it right yeah right 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 you know Mm -hmm. she's in high school she's a straight-a student she's she does really well but she hasn't been able to talk to anyone or except she did go to a counselor for a short time, but how to, how to help our, our children and how to be able, you know, when I walked out of the hospital that day, I was raised Baptist. So I wasn't raised Catholic. I know a little bit about the Catholic faith, but I walked out by myself and I remember thinking, okay, this is, must be what mother Mary felt like not yeah. comparing myself to her at all. No, no, no. But yeah. But she had to walk away from her child and go back and still be a mother and yep. and go back. I mean, I didn't have to go back and be a wife. And for me, that was okay. But it would, but, but then what a lonely, you know, I, I'm, I'm traveling this journey without a, any type of partner. And that's hard yeah. sometimes, you know, it is hard sometimes. sometimes it is hard a lot. Yeah, I appreciated that too. I had never thought about Mary at all, really. (laughs) I mean, being a non-Catholic myself too, I just hadn't really thought about it. But it does change your perspective when you've had your child die and you think, wow, she watched her child die. I mean, you know, right? It's it's just right. It's just different. It's just you just think about it in a totally different way. Well, it's all different now, and I've tried to think back because I like to think of myself as incredible, incredibly compassionate, and you know, I have a degree in child development and family science, and a master's in early childhood education. So I'm all about uh-huh. what more can I do for children and families and and all that. But I wonder how many times have I been around someone who's walking this journey and I didn't realize it or I didn't, did not give the, 
the honor back to that person or the grace or or even just the time maybe yeah i i know i i think very much to a, a patient that i had and and the mom had lost their first child she had another one. He had a l- very long protract- protracted kind of illness. And I saw him maybe once or twice in the office. And then so then several years later, she had another one. And she did not choose to see the, the her p- former pediatrician. She chose to see me. And so in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, well, she chose me because I didn't really see him ever. So she won't want to talk about him, certainly. So I never talked about it. I never did. And I'm so upset with myself because that was so the wrong thing to do. But I was just ignorant. I had no idea that that was the wrong thing to do. Now I have had families. I mean, I've got at least one that has chosen me because they lost their first one, right? And every single time they come in, I ask about how they're doing and we talk about her son, just, you know, a brief word or something about him, especially if it's around the time when I know his birthday was or around the time when I know his his death date was. So those things, I make sure I bring that up. And I wouldn't have done that before. I would have like left it as far away as possible, never even dreamt of bringing it up. And now I know that's not what she wanted. It's not. Right. Uh, Because I think somehow in our society, we have been taught and I'm not sure how and why and where it happens that when someone passes we just don't say anything I mean I was a single mom at the time and I had to go back I went back to work two and a half weeks after (sighs) she passed to the job where we both worked yeah and then you know where she was and she was moving up on my birthday so my my birthday is January the 2nd and I used to always laugh and say oh everybody Let's just hang on one more day because by then everybody's made, you know, mm-hmm. saying we're not going to spend any more money. We're not going to eat any food. We're not, you know, they've done all right, the right, right. resolutions. <laughs> and I'm like, no, let's hang on one more day. So I love birthdays. I've always loved birthdays because as a little girl, my, that was the day you went back to school from all the breaks. And it mm-hmm. was, you know, and now my birthday is so difficult because it's yeah. just the week after her passing. But I want to, I want to find a way in my life to do some, I don't, you know, like you, I heard recently you talked to a lot of people, everybody's done something. It feels like everybody's done something big. Everybody has a foundation. And then there's like, totally not true though. No, I'm learning. It's not true. I gave out some books, but it's. Yeah. You did a lot actually. I I feel like I'm also like hyper. And if I don't, I'm probably, I'm probably undiagnosed, medicated ADHD. I'm not sure. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) If I stay busy, then it doesn't, things don't hurt as bad. But the minute I get still, but we, uh, my daughter-in-law and my son and Savannah used to sing a lot. And the last song that they, and my daughter-in-law would never sing with them because she felt like that was just brother and sister time. But the last time they were all together, they sang the song, I Can Only Imagine. (gasps) And it's just such a beautiful song. It is. We Makes me cry. Oh, Mm -hmm. me too. And yeah. one of her friends who they had been friends was just happened to be home from college that weekend. And he sang it at her service. And oh, so today man. fall is very hard. It's the beginning of all of the holidays and the beginnings of mm-hmm. everything that we're going to have to experience without them. And as I was pulling into work today, right before I parked, the song shattered came on. I'm not sure who sings it. Christian song. Mm-hmm. And then right, and I was like, okay, I can do this. And then I can only imagine came on. And I was like, oh. okay, I, I can. You can do it. Mm-hmm. I can do this. I mean, and like recently I, li- I listened to, I should have listened to your podcast in order, but then, <laughs> but then I'm like, this creative side of me was like, and I have a, I had also inherited her car. That's the only thing he would let me have other than her oh. clothes was her car. Okay. And that, right. that he wasn't a part of. And I just recently had to trade it in because of my mom being so ill. And it takes me seven hours to get there. So I work all day and then I drive seven hours south to Tennessee to go be with my mom. Mm-hmm. And I recently traded her car. And I it, it was awful. I stood there in the yeah. parking lot. I cried. And 
and I called my son. I was like, am I making the right decision? He was like, mom, it's a car. It's yeah. not her. But then it just represents. So it, I felt like it represented so much of her. I still have everything she has. And I, I since bought a house right down mm-hmm. from my son. It's like, mom, I'm out here trying to be an adult. I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I, I can drive by every day and see you adulting. <laughs> but and, but he's and, got some know, kids now, you said, right? So, yes, so that's got to be a joy to have oh. for him to be able to send the grandkids over. Well, he, he really appreciates it now. And the funny right. thing is peculiar, I guess. So Savannah knew his son and his daughter. And then right after she passed, he had a dream that she was in a bunk bed, which is dreams are weird like that. Right. So she was in a bunk bed above them and she was looking down and he was like, don't go. And she was looking out or she was looking out the window. And he's like, don't, don't, don't go. And so she got down and came and curled up in bed with his this is in the dream and with his wife and curled up around her belly so he was holding his wife in savannah but she was curled up around her belly and three days later they found out she was pregnant so (gasps) that jen and they had no they had no idea because all of this then (sighs) all of the the death and we were all just traumatized of course so Mm -hmm. He, they hadn't planned on any more children, <laughs> but then they found out. So they named her name is Savannah Ray and they named him Colton Ray oh. after. So it was so beautiful. And my daughter-in-law is so precious. She allowed me to be in the room. And the day that Colton was born, because we called it Savannah, Savannah Ray, because like yeah. she was born in June. She was our ray of sunshine. And she was, yeah. she was always shining. The minute he was born, I kid you not, this huge beam of sun came in pouring into the delivery room and was just shining right down on this little baby. And I looked up at my son and he looked up and we just, we just tried to cry, you know? Yep. Yep. It's just Savannah Ray giving you a little gift. And in our family, um, Cody is, is the stars. Savannah is the, the sun. And Lydia, her first sentence, because she didn't really talk much for three years, her first sentence was, I yoved the moon. So the sun <laughs> and the moon and the stars represent all three of my children, you know. Oh, that's but so sweet. Anyway, uh, your, your, your podcast, because I've been driving up and down 81 for seven hours every other Friday and doing the same thing on Sunday. And I don't even know how I found it because I got the, oh, that's what I was saying. I got this new car and I'm like, I don't even know how to operate it. And it was like, I can hit podcasts. And then I, so I hit podcast and I was like, Oh, let me just hit grief. Cause I'm doing this all by myself up and down the highway. <laughs> and there you were. I don't believe in coincidence. Really? Yes. Aww. I was like, Oh, Andy's mom, Marcy. And I was like this, I, cause I had prayed, you know, for a way, <laughs> like my grandson asked me, he said, does your car only play Jesus songs? <laughs> <laughs> and I, was like, <laughs> so I was like no it plays country it plays rap it does other things but but I do listen to Jesus songs a lot and but now you know I've been able to laugh I've been able to cry yeah I've been able to feel a little bit normal whatever that means now yeah. this new it's this, different now isn't it it is I just miss her everybody wants me to be okay so they can yeah. be okay Right. And some days right. it feels like it just happened. Yes. yes. You know, and I'm, I'm having to go every other weekend to a hospital and yeah. hearing the beeps and hearing the smell, everything being in a hospital. Yeah. Just brings yeah. it all back, you know? Yeah. I think back when you said that, I had an interview quite some time ago, but she met a woman whose son had died who she came up to her front step because she had been a neighbor and she didn't realize that her son had died and she asked her when did your son die and she I still remember her response I it, I don't remember the exact words but it was something like 30 years ago last month yesterday an hour ago and that is what it feels like right yeah. it's for you it's been almost five years but there are times it feels like yesterday 
Yeah, and I never really understood how incredibly exhausting. Like it's grief is physically exhausting, and and you physically, your heart physically, your chest hurts. Yeah, it's painful, not just emotionally, but just. I mean, you know, you you're you're given these little blessings. And you have, you know, as the new thing, you have one job and my one, but really in my, for me, I had two jobs to protect her and to teach her about Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I did. And I believe with everything in me, I do have a strong faith that I will, I will be with her again. And I believe that they're not far. I do. I feel, I feel. Clearly she's not right. I mean, clearly she's not. Well, yesterday I was having a really, 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 really bad day at work. And, uh, but I had to keep it together because that's what a professional does. Right. But so I'm outside and I just, I'd already heard the song. I can only imagine. I was like, okay, we can do this. We can do this. And then some other things happened that made things harder. And I just went outside and there was that little white butterfly. So when my first, when I first went about, I don't know, it was in February when I, I was driving to work and I like, I remember one of your podcasts talking about just lament, just complete. I was just crying out and I was at the light turning left to go, which was an eighth of a mile away from work. And I cried out to God. I was like, God, I I do not know how I can go to work today. I cannot do this. Please, please give me a sign that you're with me and this is going to be okay. This is in February. And right at that moment, this little white butterfly fluttered, in front of my windshield and it just stayed there in February here in Maryland. And it just fluttered and it stayed there. And I can't tell you how many times. And I know I don't think that's Savannah. I don't think she's now a little white butterfly, but, but what it does for me is it reminds me that God is with me Mm -hmm. and whatever this big universe. And I have cried out to him. I have cried out and just begged for some comfort and not I try not to ask why too much yeah. because I'm never going to have that answer anyway well yeah because you're not especially right. with for you I know you're just you're really not it's even more crazy than for other people it's it is yeah it is hard but um but but in I keep saying this and I never finished my sentence <laughs> but I do want to figure out a way to to do something be connected for the siblings yeah you know because being a, a step parent for a while and being growing up in a divorced family and all you know and there's a lot of and of course i have a whole degree about kids but kids right. get left out a lot you know yeah. you know you know there's new kids that come into families and all that but when their family is already broken from the traditional family structure then to have you know one leave you then i yeah. there i don't know and i do, i can't help my children i've tried and i, that, I feel like yep. i kind of do at times but like my son said once when we were trying you know that first year is hard but that second year is worse for me yeah, that agree. second year so we were trying you know trying to be like happy and we planted a tree for her for her birthday a dogwood and we're all out there and we're doing everything and he just looks up and he said everything that makes us happy makes us sad so it'll always be that i mean i had to do you know i came home we had had we had just had christmas and Mm -hmm. only thing i knew you know the first few weeks you're just in shock aren't you like i don't i should not even been driving i shouldn't have (laughs) gone to work i mean no no, but I remember coming home from the hospital and the only thing I do, I wouldn't let my family, I wouldn't let anybody come and see me. I just knew I had for some reason to get that Christmas tree down. I didn't want there to be any sign that Christmas had taken place there. I'm not even yeah. sure why, but that was for whatever reason, really important to me. But then it gave me a year because yeah. it was December 30th. I had like a year, which is nothing, but to prepare because I, because you still have to be a mom. Yeah. I mean, I had 11 year old. I I had a five, six year old grandson. 
and a one-year-old yeah. granddaughter. So we've had to continue on. I did go to grief share. And one thing I learned from that was the first year, don't make any major, major decisions and try to keep some things normal. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant anymore, but yeah. I tried to not like, I love makeup just for fun of it. Cause I like, I like to paint. I don't have any canvases. So I just do it on myself, <laughs> but you yeah. know, to put like a little makeup on, I remember the day I stood there at the, at um, my mirror or sink and I did it and it felt so guilty. Cause that's one of the last things that we did together, you know? Right. And I, but then I thought, no, people, I'm very, very pale, super pale. Like, <laughs> You know, I have to look alive and this is what people are used to seeing me. You know, yeah. I may have on jeans and boots and, you know, a flannel, but they're used to seeing a certain face mm -hmm. and that makes them feel better. Cause when I didn't look like me, they felt the need to try to help me and fix me. Right. 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 Because right. so, it's, it's this, it's this battle in your mind, right? Because you don't want people to see you normal in some ways because like right. if they see you all normal and done up then they're like oh good I guess she's doing better than we thought yeah. she was doing oh, okay so you now. don't that's not great but what can oftentimes be worse is if people see you as a mess I put that in quotes right and then they're like then they feel this responsibility like well it's on me to fix you right 100% which is, and it's, yeah which is that's Right. Yeah. I'm like, right. So it, it for a while and I'm still kind of in that place and then COVID happened. So COVID kept us all home and yeah. in a way, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm so sorry for all that were affected by COVID obviously, for sure. but for me personally, cause I was able to take the 12 week family leave, whatever, because yeah. I had no money, but I was able to just stay home Yeah. and, yeah. and everybody stay away from me and really just be with Lydia. And, and my children, because they just lived out. Well, and you had a great excuse to just hide. I mean, I, I did. found that. Yeah. Like, and that's what COVID, I needed. I kind of hid, you know? I mean, going to church is very difficult for me. Um, we have yeah. this time where we all share the peace, like in the middle of the service. I, I, was, I would so dread that, that before it would happen, I would get up, walk out, and like hide in the bathroom. Yeah. Or hide somewhere in a hallway, somewhere where no one would see me and they wait till it was over and then come back. And I did that for a very, very long time. I still don't like it. <laughs> but um, but when COVID happened, everyone's at home. We're all right. watching it on TV. Yep. There's no passing the peace. There's no like me right. having to fake and smile and whatever. I could just be home and everyone was home. Because I did put a big amount of pressure on myself to go because I kept saying, thinking if I stop going to church, if I miss one week, I might not ever go back. And I was so scared that I would never go back that I kept going. I remember one day that I think I'd been sleeping really poorly. And, you know, it was not many months after Andy had died, I'm sure. And I slept poorly for a long, long time. But anyway, I had slept poorly like I always do. And I fell back to sleep towards morning. And I woke up and our church started at like maybe nine o'clock or something. And I woke up at 915 and I started sobbing because oh. I said to Eric, why didn't you wake me up? And he said, I knew you needed to sleep. You needed to sleep. We can miss church this week. And I just was like I was a basket case, a mess about it because I was so freaked out that if I would that one week would lead to two would lead to five would lead to 10 would lead to me never going back, you know? Right. Well, I went back to work because my, at the time, 11 year old came and it, we just clung to each other. Yeah. Um, because it was just really the two of us, all my family lived away and my son was with his wife and they were just trying to exist. And she came to me one day and she said, mommy, I'm ready to go back to school. I'm afraid if we don't do it now, we never will. Yeah. And I thought, you know, You're right. she's very wise. Yeah. And I thought if an 11 year old can do this and go back and face the world, then uh -huh. I'm going to do it. Right. And 
and and we have but yeah and some days are easier than others but the mm -hmm. first time um one of my coworkers, he's only 23 and recently he had a friend who passed and cause she very unexpectedly and he came to me today and he said it's been one month and he just started crying and and I and I told him of course how sorry I was and he said but earlier today I laughed and he said and I felt so so guilty yeah and I remember yeah feeling like and then my son said when he saw me laughing with a friend he was like I guess you're just okay now I was like yeah. no but it's exhausting because you're trying to be all things to all people especially if right. you're that kind of person anyway which I am I was mm -hmm. I've gotten better at that but to to just be able to find um like I'm a much better person now in some ways yeah. because now I've always thought of myself as being very compassionate, but I used to do a lot of training for teachers, preschool teachers. And I would always say, remember we're responders and the people that mm -hmm. help us in life, they're called first responders. They're not called first reactors. <laughs> so don't be reactive, you know, they're yeah. be, re be, re be a responder. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm trying to be with people that say awkward things. I'm trying to learn to, maybe just help them know don't tell me that i already have that oh you still have two children yeah. well isn't that just lovely no yeah. i have three yeah. I, I, yeah that one or you know i guess it was just her time how yeah. is that helpful there's so many non-helpful things that people so say. many <laughs> not I, I did listen to the podcast with the lady that uh wrote the book about what not to say and i ordered yeah. it yeah, I ordered it that night. I was like, oh, why, yes, let's give this out to people. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But again, I just say how much what you're doing for those of us who didn't know how or what to do or are not ready or for whatever reason, taking that step out of your own grief and being there for others and it's like a very humble, selfless thing that you're doing. Oh, thank and, you so much. Oh, it is. Because no one really wants, I can start talking, to, I can talk about Lydia until the cows come home. I can talk about Cody. And the yep. minute I say Savannah, people are like, <gasps> I know. <laughs> I know. Like, you know, I still love her. She's still my child. I mean, I she's know. still, she still has a birthday. Why are suddenly Savannah stories off limits? It's ridiculous, right? It is. I mean, and yeah. oh, and just two weeks ago, because uh, I inherited her car and her yeah. cat, and her okay. cat, well, yes, her cat would have been seventeen in January, and he just oh. passed two weeks ago. Oh. And I'm thinking, no, it was the, yeah. but my son came over and Lydia was here and we let him go outside, and he walked around. She used to put him on a leash. He's twenty pounds and like twelve inches high. He's this ginormous cat. And she just loved him so much. So we tried to do what she would do with him. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it was the, only the second time in almost five years that the three of us had ever talked about Savannah together. Because we just don't know how. They don't I know. That's it. You don't the know how. One. She's the one that kept us all together. Yes. And now the nucleus, you would think it would be mom, but it wasn't me. She yeah. bridged us all. Yeah. And now we're awkwardly coming together trying to find ways to talk and to be there for each other. So I want to in my life try to find ways to help either educate or to offer ways mm -hmm. for like I want so much for my sixteen, almost sixteen year old to have a podcast to listen to like I do. That's gonna yeah. help her understand what she's feeling about yeah. losing her best friend, her sister. Well, we can both pray for that one, huh? Yes. Yeah. Please. That would be great. Well, thank you so much for sharing Savannah with us today. It's really been beautiful to hear about her and to learn about her and about what you're doing, which is much more than you think. So you need to give yourself a little more credit, I have to say. Well, thank you, Marcy.
Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.